Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. There's a fellow, guys, by the name of John Knox. And John Knox was the founder of the Presbyterian Church in Scotland. Well, one day, John Knox felt, became very, very, very ill. And on his sickbed, he calls to his wife, and he asked her, he said, please read me the scriptures where I first cast my anchor. And after he listened to the beautiful prayer of Jesus recorded in John 17, he seemed to forget his weakness. He actually began to pray earnestly for his fellow countrymen, He prayed for the ungodly who had thus rejected the gospel. He pleaded to God on behalf of the people who were recently converted, and he requested protection for the Lord's servants, many of whom were facing persecution. As Knox was there and he was praying and he was interceding and he was was just praying for God's servants, um, his spirit actually went home to be with Jesus. He died while he was praying. And the man of whom Queen Mary once said, I fear his prayers more than I do the enemies, than the armies of my enemies, ministered through prayer until the moment of his death. If you will notice in the context of the illustration that I just gave you, guys, it's all about prayer. It's all about persuasive and proper prayer. And we read that John Knox prayed until he died. He prayed a prayer, but I want you to notice in his prayer, he didn't pray for money. He wasn't saying, God, I'm on my deathbed, and I just, wanna, I just need a little bit more money. He didn't pray for material things. And as a matter of fact, if you look at the illustration, he didn't even pray to save his life. He wasn't, God, give me five more years, please. You go, well, Ben, what did he pray for? Well, think about it. The first thing he prayed for, guys, is for people. And he prayed for people and he prayed for God's kingdom. You go, how so? Well, first we learned that he he interceded for his fellow men. He interceded for his brethren. You go, what does interceding mean? Well, if you're taking note, it just means to pray on the behalf of others. That's what he did. He's dying on his final bed. He calls to his wife. He says, he says, sweetie, just read me, read me that prayer that anchored my soul. And then he began to pray and he prayed and he interceded for his fellow men and he began to pray for them. The second thing we see is that he prayed for those who rejected the gospel and that's so important. Why? There's so many people, guys, seriously, there's so many people that number one are simply playing church. They have the Christian t-shirt. They have the bumper stickers. They have all of this stuff, but they don't have a real walk with God. Or you have the people that go, no, 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 I'm not interested in Jesus. That's your crutch. That's your deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to heaven my own way, or I just don't want anything to do with that. John Knox, he prayed for those people, and we need to have a heart for that. Number three, he prayed earnestly for those who had been recently converted, those that said yes to Jesus. He prayed, God, protect them. Right? They're in the battlefield now. Church, I don't even know if you, if you remember. Do you remember when you first got saved? The battle was real. The enemy came after you. said, I want you on that team. I want you back on our team. And there was a real spiritual battle. You may have not recognized it, but, but it was there. Then the fourth thing that John Knox prayed for, guys, is he prayed for the protection of the servants of the Lord, many who were facing persecution. And a lot of us face persecution. Oh, maybe not the same way here, but we face persecution Maybe there's a day coming in our country, we don't know, church, where we will face persecution for for being a follower of Christ. 
And John Knox, before he died, was simply praying. And and I bet it could be said that John Knox understood Luke chapter 11, verse 9, far better than a lot of people. He really understood it. So if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to write down. I want you to realize that Luke chapter 11, verse 9 is not a standalone verse. Okay, it's not just one verse that we can pull out. You realize that it's right in the middle of a conversation. It's right in the middle of a dialogue to answer a question that the disciples came and asked for Jesus. And you got to grasp that, guys. Why? Because you can't just you can't just pull that out. I mean, think about this. Can you imagine that you're in the middle of a dialogue, and and, and this happens to us at times, doesn't it? You're you're middle and you're saying something, and all of a sudden somebody will take just a sentence you said out of that whole conversation and say, "Well, you said this," and and they blow. You go, no, no, you can't just take that one thing that I said, because guess what will happen? It's out of context, all right? And if you were to take a statement that you said in a conversation that we had, and, and you pulled it out and you stand alone, guess what? It's now a pretext, and you can make it say that I said this and I said that. And, and that's how quarrels and fights are among us, don't you think? That's all you said, in that, and, and that's exactly what's happening here. Well, you, well, Ben, you said something about the disciples were asking a question. What question do you ask them? Well, it's more like a statement question. The disciples come to him with hearts wide open, and he said, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. That's a great thing to do, right? Teach us to pray like, like John taught his disciples. I mean, that's amazing, church. That's something that we should be. Why? Well, because it comes to prayer. I think every one of us in this room struggle with that. We struggle with prayer. I mean, we may have a prayer journal and we write people's down and, two, and we're just into it, man. Every night we're praying and we'll just go through and we'll pray. And then, and then a couple of weeks go by and we're just like, oh, what are you doing? I got to pray. And then sometimes we just, man, we, we just, I mean, we just, we just struggle in prayer. And I think, it's a, I think it's a good question to ask the Lord. Lord, teach us to pray to reach your heart. Teach us to pray. Listen, Luke chapter 11, verse 9 is about prayer. It's about prayer. But it's not just asking God for stuff, because that's what we do in prayer too, don't you think? There are times we'll go and we'll get on our knees, and, and we won't even acknowledge who he is. We'll start asking for him right, stuff right away. We'll start asking. We'll start, God, God, give me, give me. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Right? We'll just, we'll just do that. And, and, and again, Luke chapter 11, verse 9, it's not about that. But it's intently asking God for things that line up with his will and his purpose. That's what it's about. You see, there are times in our lives, church, when we can ask and we can pray with the wrong motives. As a matter of fact, James James said it best when talking to God in prayer. James chapter 4, 1 through 3, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, says this. What is causing quarrels and fights among you? That's a good question. Why are you guys fighting? Why are you fighting? He says, "Um, don't they come from an evil desire at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to to take it away from them. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want, or you want only what will give you your pleasure. And that's basically what it is. The New King James Version says, hey, when you ask in prayer, you ask amiss because your motives are wrong. Your motives are wrong, and that's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, guys, we come to God, and and we come to him in prayer, but we have to check our motives. And so this morning, if you're taking notes, 
I want you to write this down in your Bible. Luke 11.9 is about prayer, but more specifically, it's about continually asking for things such as daily bread, the beginning of his kingdom, and the forgiveness of sins. There, there's, this is what he's talking about, okay? He's talking about daily bread, God speak to me, the beginning of his kingdom and the forgiveness of his the forgiveness of our sins. So many guys, so many people talk about this verse out of context. They make it a pretext and all of a sudden it just it just gets really weird. Now, again, for the sake of our setting, I want to reiterate, Jesus is talking about purposeful prayer. And so Captain Obvious would lead us to ask, what is prayer, Ben? What is prayer? Really, what is prayer? Well, Webster defines prayer as this, guys, a solemn request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God. You go, what? Say that again? A solemn request for help or an expression of worship or thanks to God. That's what prayer is. And so now that we have a definition, as we approach Luke chapter 11, verse 9, remember the heart behind this verse is godly prayer. Prayer that lines up with his will, not our own. And you go, pastor, explain that again. Well, remember this. A verse taken out of context becomes a pretext and you can make it say anything you want. And that is what happened to verse 9 of Luke chapter 11. So here's what we'll do, church. Let's just read this one verse and we'll just discuss a little bit of how it's misused, okay? So we know that Jesus is speaking. How so? He's in the middle of a dialogue. He's in the middle of a teaching, right? He's in the middle of a teaching. And so uh, this is the verse that they pull out. Look at 11.9. It says, uh, so I say to you, ask... And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. And, and again, I'm just going, wow. Now, now listen, listen. I'm with you. If I were to pull this verse out and make it standalone, I love this verse. It's an amazing verse, man. If it's a standalone, I'll take it. You go, why? Well, think about it, guys. Here's what, here's what the Bible's saying. Ask for anything you want and God will give it to you. Boom. Right? You want a t-shirt? That's a t-shirt. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask because God just said I can have anything. And listen, uh, all we have to do is ask or seek or knock. Man, I know how to do that. That's real easy. Man, we, listen, listen. Those of you who have little ones, you know that they've learned this, right? You know, right? You didn't have to go, listen, I'm going to teach you how to ask. Oh, no. Uh, I heard you the first 18 times. You want ice cream. Not going to happen, Right? But they're persistent. They're persistent. They're like, I want ice cream. Okay, no, I want ice cream. No, you don't understand. I want ice cream. The little ones know how to do that. They, they, they've learned this thing, man. Right? They feel like Steve Urkel. They're wearing you down, right? They're going to get you to the place where you go, okay! And, and, and again, so we take this verse and we go, man, I know how to do that, God. I know how to do that. I know how to ask. I'll just keep asking till I bug you. And God's up there going, all right, Michael, give him what he wants. Gabriel, just, yes, I'm, I'm tired. Listen. That's not what it's about. So here's the question. You know, why is it quoted a lot? Well, I mean, think about it. Why do people pull that out of context and stand on it? And here's why. Because it's an exciting verse. It's probably one of the most exciting verses in the whole Bible. I mean, Jesus is preaching a sermon on the mount. And when he's talking about prayer, he tells the audience, guys, I don't know if that's how God talked, but Jesus said, guys, listen, whatever you want, just ask me. I mean, wow. If I was in that crowd, I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. Right? And, and that's what he's saying. And no wonder this verse stuck around. That's exciting message for anyone to hear. Just ask what you want. Just keep seeking. Just keep knocking. And I'll give it for you. If you could get anything you want from me, what would you pray about? 
Well, this happens to be, unfortunately, guys, one of the verses that they twist and they mangle until it's on life support in order to suck money out of congregants and treat it as an ironclad promise. And here's what they're saying. They're saying, listen, it doesn't matter what you ask for, whether it be health. Oh, I need to be healthy. Wealthy, I need a promotion at work. Or that spouse that you've always wanted. Listen, if I just ask, seek, and knock, God's going to give it to me. God's going to give it to me. Now, now listen, listen. Let's, uh, for a moment, let's just tackle how this verse is misused in a lot of Christian circles, okay? Um, one of the best ways is sometimes it's, Sometimes it has to do with the, either the, the pastor on the television or the pastor on the radio, whatever it might be, but it may go something like this. You're sitting there and you're flipping through the channels and you come across the Christian TV station or the religious station and you go, hey, wait a minute, I'm gonna, he's, he mentioned Luke 11. You know, they kind of put it on the screen and, and you start looking and so he comes up and he's like, listen, I've got a verse for you. I've got a verse for you, people. And, 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 and listen, this is God's promise to you. If you'll just ask and you'll just seek and, you, and then he'll go through a list of things that, you know, that maybe your heart, I mean, he'll, he'll just tell you, listen, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is everybody repeat after me, A-S-K, and everybody goes, A-S-K, and you're sitting there on TV going, wow, this is crazy. And the crowd's into it and he's like, A-S-K, what does A stand for? It means for ask, yay! And what does S stand for? Seek! And I mean, it's almost like a cheerleading thing and you're just like, okay, here's why. Here's why you're drawn in and here's why you hadn't changed it back to ESPN. Here's why. Because your heart is longing for something that you really need to ask for. You go, how so? Well, you might be right in the midst of marriage that's falling apart. God, please. Or you might be, you might go, man, listen, I even hate checking the mail because they keep, all these bills keep piling up and I can't, I'm, I'm running, I'm falling behind. Guys, you got to do something and, and, or, or whatever it might be, right? Or you look over there and you go, and I hope my car makes it to work tomorrow and I only, I only work a block away. God, please, I want. And so you hear this guy on TV and you're just like, Yes! And so what he'll do is he'll say, all you have to do is believe in God and all you have to do, Luke eleven nine. if you'll just what? If you'll just ask and you'll just seek and you'll just knock. And then he goes in for the kill, doesn't he? You go, how so? Then he will try to convince you that this works. And you go, how? By asking you for money. And say, this works because he's going he's gonna to put faith in action. And if you give your money, then all you have to do is ask God. And, and I mean, they take this verse solely out of context. And they'll say, listen, here's our promise to you. If you just give anything you ask, you're going to get. Just me? I mean, think about it. Some of the, some of the stuff I would sit there and I mean, they, they, they would literally promise me a hundredfold if I, if I sent money. If I sent them a hundred dollars, I'm going to get a thousand. Literally, that's what they promised based on this verse. As a young Christian, I'm going, no, I could use a thousand. Baby, do we have a hundred dollars? No. Well, we'll just skip the rent because God's going to, you know what I'm talking about? And I mean, people do this, guys. People do this. And you go, well, why would they do this? Well, because they'll go back to 11.9 and it says this. So I say to you, ask and it will be, notice the word given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. Now, many people will use this verse, guys, and try to manipulate God into giving them what they want because they'll take this verse out of context. Let me say this to you, church. Listen up. Yes, it's a verse on prayer. 
It's a verse on prayer. The heart behind it is not getting everything you think you want or everything you think you need or you have bad motives or you just have selfish motives. It's not that. And it's not a persistence to things that we want with wrong motives. It's not like, well, if I have wrong motives, but if I just keep asking, I'm going to wear God down and eventually he's going to give me what I want. You know what I'm talking about? It's exactly what he's saying. Guys, again, and I'm saying this until we get it, until we get it, until we get it. When we take this verse and we just pull it out and we hold it right here and we take it out of its context, I can make it say anything I want it to say. And I could say, okay, here's what it is, right? Ask. You guys got to ask. Well, if the Bible says I'm going to ask, well, I'm going to ask. And I mean, they can twist it and mangle it and manipulate and everything else. Now, I mean, think about this, guys. Why are we teaching autocorrect? Why, why are we going through each verse like this? And, and here's my heart, okay? Here's my heart. The reason we're going through this series is really simple because if you were to take this verse and you were to stand alone and you would put it on your coffee cup and you would put it on a t-shirt and you'd make a bumper sticker on it and that was your main verse, right? And you begin to ask for something, okay? You've been asked for something and maybe, and, and you're just asking, okay? You're asking for a miracle. You're asking for your prodigal son or daughter to come home and you're just asking God and you've pulled this out of context. Guess what happens? If, if, if God in his infinite wisdom is, is, is not giving you this because your motives are wrong, what are you going to do? Well, let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go, well, God doesn't stand true to his promise. So if God, if I don't get what I want, because I said that, well, then I'm going to throw the word of God out because I can't believe that. And then the devil comes and goes, then you're really not saved because if you can't, if he, if, if he won't give you what you want, how do you know you're really saved? And it leads people astray and it leads people away from God because they've taken a verse They don't understand the verse. They haven't broken it down. And then now they're going, okay, so I'm going to take the whole baby and I'm going to throw him out with the bathwater, which is a really dumb saying because you would never throw a baby out as you throw the bathwater. But that's exactly what it's saying. You know what I mean? You're saying, okay, if I can't believe this, how can I believe this? So I want to come in and go, guys, please, let's make sure we learn it and have some just some healing in this. And you go, how do we do that? Well, here's what we do, guys. We need to take a few minutes to understand what this verse is all about in context. In order to do that, we have to go back just a little bit, guys. Chapter 10, verse 38 is where he picks it up. Chapter 10, verse 38, guys, there's the reception at Bethany. This is the tone for what Jesus wants to teach us, okay? He starts right here. How many of you remember the 2020 rule? <clears throat> you remember it, right? You read 20 verse. Okay, so we're, we're going to go back quite a bit. This is the foundation. So notice what it says. Now, it happened when Jesus entered and his disciples, a certain village, that a woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. So you could picture the scene. Jesus is coming over to Bethany, right? These are truly his BFFs, okay? You got Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He's raised Lazarus from from the dead. So I mean, they're like, Jesus. He walks in and Mary's like, Jesus, come in. bring And right, and it's not Jesus. I mean, you got the disciples. So she's like, come in, let me serve you lunch. Let me serve you lunch, which is amazing. The problem is, is that her sister 
is like, that's cool for you, Martha, but I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen to Bible study because I really want to, I really want, I, I want the foundation of the word of God. Okay? So what do you think Mary's, Martha's going to do? Martha's going to be like, notice. So guess what happens? But it says in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And so she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me, to help me. I mean, can you imagine? Notice what she's doing, right? She's in the kitchen, pots and pans. You could hear them a little bit, right? She's like, ting, 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 right? She's, she's just mixing the eggs and she's ding, 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 and a little bit of flour. And then she walks out and she's like, she's like, Mary, what are you, what are you doing, Mary? Mary's having Bible study. So she goes back in the she goes back in the kitchen. She comes out with her hands on her hips. Jesus, look at her. Tell her to help me. And I'm thinking, Martha, you just told you just told Jesus that's God. You just told him what you think should happen. That she, she, and I'm going, oh my goodness, how many times do we do that? We tell Jesus what we think should go up. Jesus, listen, uh, listen. I know, I know you're God and all, and I know you're control of everything. But you know, my, my wife, listen, you got to help her. You know what? She's just not listening to me. I'm the man of that, right? And we're telling Jesus, who knows everything, what to do. That blows my mind, right? And so here she goes. She goes, tell her, you know, listen, listen. I mean, she's she's left me to serve alone, and I could imagine this, right? Could you imagine? Like, like if you're the disciples in the Bible study, what's coming from the kitchen? Because how many of you women have ever been mad when you're cooking a meal? It's not quiet. Okay? So, so there you are, and you have your Bible open, right? And you're looking in, and here's the swinging door in the kitchen, right? And all of a sudden, you see flour coming out of there. And, and you're hitting pans, but they're not soft, right? It's like... All right, and, and you're just knocking down all these pans, and it's like clink, 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 right? And you're like, so she's really mad, all right? Husbands, can I get a witness? Yeah, your wife ever makes something when, when she's mad and you know it? You're like, I don't know if I want to eat that. <laughs> she's really mad, all right? That's exactly what's going in Martha. So what happens? So she comes in, look at, guys, look at verse 41. And so she tells Jesus, Jesus, tell her to do something. Tell her to help me. Are you kidding me, Jesus? And he answered her and he said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. Can I get a witness? Aren't we like that too? And notice what he says. He says, but the one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken from her. Guys, this is just profound. Why? How many times do you and I worry and trouble ourselves over things that really shouldn't be worried or troubled over? Listen, the meal was going to be made. She's worried more about, Mar- about Mary than she is about just doing what she's supposed to be doing. And I think, wow, I'm so busted. Why? Because, guys, think about it. What are we worried about that we know 100 years from now isn't going to mean a hill of beans? And we're worried and we're frustrated and we're, and we're actually, it's actually stealing our devotion from God because we're worried about it. We're worried about it. And, and so let me ask you this. Jesus said, how many of you can grow an inch, my paraphrase, okay? How many of you can grow an inch by worrying? And you go, Ben, that's silly. That's what Jesus said. He says, don't worry. Right? And then he started singing, don't worry, be happy. Right? No, he didn't. I'm just kidding. Just making sure you're awake. Because you're like, did he just say that? 
So what did he do here, church? Listen, let me have your attention. He set the foundation, okay? They set the foundation for what he's going to do next. The example of Mary and Martha, guys, he defended them by choosing, defended them for choosing to be a disciple in a kingdom. That's where, that's the foundation. So there he is. He's laid the foundation. Now he's going to build the walls. Okay, so now we keep going. Chapter 11, verse 1, he's going to give instruction to prayer, okay? Remember who Jesus, notice his audience, okay? The, the, the main audience that is around Jesus is his disciples and Jewish people, right? And so now he's going to give them what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Anybody know the Lord's Prayer, right? I think we've learned it so much, we memorize it, right? Our Father, and, you know, I learned it this way, who's art in heaven. And for many years, I used to think that was his name, Art, but it wasn't. You know, that's just how we learned it. Our Father, who art in heaven. And we know it as the Lord's Prayer, right? <laughs> she got it. But it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the disciples' prayer. But, but let me tell you, let me, let me let you on a little secret, okay? If you were a Jewish boy, if you were a Jewish boy and you grew up in the Jewish world, okay? There's something in here that you would have already learned, okay? There's two prayers that you would definitely have learned from, from, from being a baby. Number one is the Shema, and the second one is the Amidah. We talked about this in our Daniel study. It's the Amidah, and it's a Jewish weekly prayer. And you go, what's the Amidah? Okay, if you're taking note, the Amidah is actually 19 blessings. It was originally 18 but they've added kind of one final blessing. They kind of said, okay, God, now that we've done this, here's the last one. And each blessing, guys, ends with a signature, blessed are you, O Lord. It's called the Amida. okay? Just so you know, everybody say Amida. okay? It's the Amida. okay? Now, let me give you the structure of this prayer, because then when Jesus gives it to the disciples, you'll go, wow, okay? Here's the structure of the Amida. Number one, the first three blessings of this section is known as the Shavach, the Shavach, and it means praise, and it means praise. So the very first three blessings is that's what you would do. You would give praise to God, right? You would serve, and it would serve to inspire the worshiper to invoke God's mercy. If we were going to get together and we were going to have a prayer meeting, I'd say, okay, let's start off with the Shavach, with the praise. Everyone should praise. Now, why is that important? That is so important because in my prayer life and probably yours, we oftentimes get so just in a rush that it's give me, give me, give me, give me. And we take no time to honor the, the giver of the gifts. You guys tracking with me? And so the Amidah would be, okay, we're going to take a moment and we're going to praise God. We're going to just praise God. That's the first part. The second part is the middle. Okay. And there were 13 blessings composed of, it's called the Bakasha. The Bachasha. And you go, what is that? That's, that's basically the request. That's when you would go to God and you would just ask him for things. And you would ask him for health and you would ask him for your marriage to be healed and you would ask him for, you know, anything it might be, guys. It was just the, it was the Bachasha and with, and, and there would be some general requests and then there would be personal requests. And that's what you would do. First three, we're going to praise you, God. We're going to praise you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're going to praise you. The middle 13 would be the requests. And then the final three blessings would be known as the hododa, and it means gratitude. Gratitude. And that's where you would thank God for the opportunity to serve the Lord. That was every Jewish boy, every Jewish man would know the Amida. They would know that. They would go, okay, so let's pray. There was 18, now 19. Three of them are going to be praise, request, and gratitude. That's a great formula if you want to learn how to pray, guys. 
Your prayer should start off with praise. God, you're amazing. You're wonderful. You're great. I mean, just, just go to town with him. And then the th- in the middle part of that, you can offer your request. And then in the end, God, thank you. Thank you that you hear me. Thank you that you're God. And so that's the Amidah. Notice the structure as he begins to teach his disciples. Luke chapter 11, 1 through 4. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer. Church, do you see the Amidah in here? Absolutely. He's teaching the people what they know already. They would know the Amidah. But here's the thing. If you were an Old Testament Amidah, you didn't have a good personal relationship with God. He was, he was, right? He was Elohim. He was God. But now Jesus is saying, now that I'm here, you have an intimate relationship with me. You're able to say, you're able to pray it like this because, because we have this relationship. And relationship is so important in your walks with God. Listen, God doesn't want you to go, hey, listen, God, I, I talked to you last week and everything was cool. And so I'll see you next week. And he doesn't want that relationship. He wants a relationship where you go in and you dialogue. He wants a relationship where you're intimate with him. He wants a relationship where you're just, you're, you're, you're sharing your fears and, 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 and your desires and your goals and you just, and you want to walk in him. It's a relationship. You married folks in here, can you imagine if you went home and didn't speak to your wife unless you had to? Hi, baby, what's for dinner? And then never say anything. I mean, that you, you wouldn't be married very long. Why? That's not a relationship, is it? A relation? I mean, the other night, Nathalie and I, we went on a date. And I, and we ended up at Starbucks and we ended up talking. I mean, I mean, literally from Starbucks to the house. And we just ended up talking and talking and talking probably about till midnight. I think they slipped her caffeine. That's why, but it was supposed to be decaf, but I think they gave her caffeine because she was talking. We just had this great time. Why? Because it's, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, now listen, here's the relationship, okay? So what's the first thing? It says, okay, so let's break it down, right? Context, he's already laid the foundation. Mary and Martha, listen, the best part is what? At the feet of Jesus. Can I get an amen? And so now he's going to come and he's going to teach them. He says, okay, so what's the first thing we learn in the Amidah? He says, our Father, right, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Do we not see it right there? I mean, the model prayer shows us that we can come to God the Father who's in heaven, right? Relationship. There it is. Our Father, I can come to you because you're in heaven. And he says, and he says, hallowed be your name. You know what hallowed means? It means to be set apart, guys, is to say that no one is like God. He's completely unique. He's not just some super person or some better person, but he is worthy to be praised. You know that song we sang, the last song? It, it's your breath in my lungs. I pour out my... Isn't it true? Why? Because I'm not breathing just for me. Well, pastor, that's silly. Of course you're breathing just for you. No, it's his breath because the purpose that I'm here is to give God glory. Well, that's because you're the pastor. No, I'm a Christian. 
I love God and that's why. And so again, he's like, okay, that's it. Hallowed be your name, guys. That should be the start of your prayer. Hallowed be your name, God. You were amazing, right? Your name, yeah. Do you realize that his name in this context is his whole character, the whole person who's set apart? There is no other name like the name of Jesus. Listen to me, church. You can go anywhere and, and, and thank God in our country's changing. A lot of people don't like it, but it's changing. But we could never invoke the name of Jesus because that name has power. You could say God and God could be anything to you. But if you said Jesus, they would get all upset. Don't use Jesus. Why? Why? No, no, no. There's power in the name. And that's why he says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Well, what else? He says, well, your kingdom come, right? So we're praying about kingdom come and your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Guys, this is the model in the third part, right? Of the Shekavah right here, where it says that we can come and we can freely bring our needs to the Lord. Freely. And you go, well, like what? Well, how about daily provision? God, thank you so much. Thank you for providing every single day. Have you ever gone, guys, to your, have you ever gone to your refrigerator and just cried because you saw food in it? Well, no, pastor. That's his daily bread. That's, that's, that's his blessings to you. Wow. Well, pastor, I work for, no, no, no. He's giving you the ability to work. It's all God, you see? And then he says, and he's also praying, guys, he's all praying for, for forgiveness. And don't we need forgiveness on a daily basis? Oh, my goodness, just me. I think it's just me. I don't, you guys are all holy. You need to be up here preaching because it was just the other night. And I'm telling you what, man, I was here. And it was one of those, you ever have one of those long nights? I had a long night. And, and uh, anyway, long story short, I misrepresented God. And on the way home, he started to knock on my heart. You know how God does that? He's like, hey, Ben. And I was just like, I know, Lord. Don't even have to tell me, God. I just knew. I just knew. I just knew. And I knew that, and, and, and he reminded me, he goes, Ben, listen, that's what the cross was for. And I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because I was so bummed. I was so broken. I was like, Lord, I don't even think I should be a pastor. I'm just, this is, this is not even cool, man. And he's like, Ben, calm down. That's what the cross is for. And that's why you ask for daily forgiveness. And I'm going, thank God, right? Because don't we blow it every day? And he knows it. That's what I love about God. God knows I'm going to blow it today. God knows I'm going to blow it tomorrow. I don't want to blow it, but I do. God knows I'm going to say something that I shouldn't. God knows I'm going to look, and it's going to be on my face, and there's nobody that knows me better than my wife, and she'll be like, why are you mad? I'm not mad. Yes, okay, you you got me. And I need forgiveness, church, and I know we do too. I know everyone needs forgiveness, and so we're able to come to him with that. that, and, And, of course, we say, give us our daily bread, and we can bring that. And he says, forgive us our sins, and... We also forgive those who are indebted to us. And he says, lead us not to temptation. And the word temptation is not so much as solicitation to do evil, but it's a test. And he says, make sure, basically, God, God has promised to keep us from any testing that's greater than we can handle. And so we're praying that. Why? Because that's our request. God, please don't let me walk into anything greater than I can handle. And he says, but deliver me from the evil one. So the Amidah is prayed in there. So that's the, that's the crux, right? That's the wall. Everybody got it? The Mary and Martha is the foundation. We've lifted up the walls now. Now, if, if you want to build a house with no windows, that's up to you. But I like windows because I like light. And so what Jesus is going to do now is something very interesting. He's going to illustrate what he just taught us. He's going to illustrate this, okay? 
And he comes in in verse 5, and let me see how much time I have, okay? He comes in verse 5, and he says to them, Which of you, having a friend, and go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come for me in his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Don't trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are, in, are with me in bed. I cannot rise, and I cannot give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, this is an illustration. Okay, Jesus is going to illustrate what he just taught us. And I want you to stay with me. Okay, there's the Amidah, right? Everybody knows the Amidah. We got the foundation. We got the walls. Here's the request. What do we, in the Amidah, did you guys hear anything about material or, or, or bad motivation or God give me this or God give me that? It's all about forgiveness and build your kingdom and God, I'm with you. And so now he says, now let, let me illustrate it, right? And so all ears are attentive. He says, listen, how many of you have a friend that you can go to at midnight and knock on the door and say, sir, sir, wake up. Hey, uh, I got some company coming and I just noticed there's nothing. We don't have anything to eat. Can I borrow three loaves? And your friend's going to go, are you sitting? You're crazy, dude. We're already in bed. The kids are with us. Please go away. Right? And then you say, well, you're not a friend. Jesus is saying, okay, now context. Let's grab it, okay? Context. Okay? First and foremost, okay, we need to understand the text. The text is back in this day, okay, they lived on basically, there was like a two-story house, okay? It's not like today, okay? Today, we don't really go to our friends at midnight. Why? Because we can go to 7-Eleven and we can get what we need. But back then, there was no 7-Eleven, there was no McDonald's, so you had to go to your friend. I mean, you have company, you want to feed them. And so what would happen, right, is that in houses like this, there were two-story and what you would do is you'd go up and, and when it was time to go to bed, you brought all the sheep and all the cows and all the animals and they slept inside the house underneath you. And you took your kids and everyone and you slept on the second floor and they were all in bed with you and that's what you did. So when the friend comes and, and he goes, hey, do you have any bread? He's like, dude, you need to go. I'm not going to go down and wake up all my kids and then try to get through all the sheep and the, and the cows and everything just to give you some bread. You guys with me? And so that's really the context. And everybody goes, oh, wow. He says, but, but he'll eventually give you some. Not because he's your friend, but because of your persistence. He's going to get up and he's going to give you what you need. You see the persistence. Why? Because, if, I mean, listen, listen, if I go over to Giovanni's house at midnight, first of all, that ain't going to fly, okay? Because he's not going to get up at midnight. And if he does, he's going to be wondering who's at his door at midnight, okay? The thing about it, guys, is that the Bible says it's not because Giovanni and I are friends. It's because I, was, I kept bugging him. Hey, Gio, hey, I'm in the window. Hey, Gio, wake up. Gio, hey, can we have some bread? Hey, listen, we got people coming over. And finally, you know what Gio's going to say? For the love. And he's going to get up, and he's going to go, here. And the Bible says it's because of my what? My persistence. Now, think about this, guys. Now we come to the verse in context. 
But here's the reason Jesus said this. You ready? Because God often waits for our passionate persistence in prayer. And it isn't that God is reluctant and needs to be persuaded. Guys, our persistence doesn't change it. God changes us, developing a heart and a passion for God wants. He's not telling us be persistent so you can just keep on knocking and bug people, right? He doesn't want us to keep praying just so we can wear God down. He says, I want you to see, I want you to develop a heart for what I want in my will. And that way, that's the heart of prayer. Right? And so then he, then, so then he comes to the verse that people pull out. Notice, he's right in the middle of a sentence. And so he says, and so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened all in context what's the context guys prayer having a heart for prayer but real prayer real prayer you go well what are they well let me give you three real quick okay first based upon this text we must humbly guys ask according to his will not our pleasures let me say this to you you ready jot this down and 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 you should have already had this God doesn't always give you the change you want or the change you ask for, but God will always give you the change you need. Sometimes, guys, we're going, hey, I want, I want, I want, and whatever you want, like the beggar at the gate beautiful, he was asking for money. And, and, and Peter and John, what did they do? They came and said, hey, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Why? Because the change that he needed was to get up and walk and get a job and, and, and make more money than he would have just stayed, stayed begging. And so all of a sudden we come humbly and we go, okay, Lord, show me my heart because I don't want to have selfish motives when I pray. Listen, it's, it's not a selfish motive to pray. Listen, single folks, it's not a selfish motive to pray for your spouse now. To pray that God will give you the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, the one that, that fits you. That's not selfish. But what is selfish is and you go, listen, I want this, and I want this Gucci handbag, and I want this car, and I want this, and I want to, I mean, just all of this selfish stuff that doesn't mean a hill of beans in the word of God. And so we go, okay, so we humbly come, and we got to make sure. If, now you go, well, Ben, you talked about persistence. If something we ask for, contrary to God's plan, listen, church, no amount of persistence will force him to give you. We can't force God's arm. When requesting anything from God, guys, most people will stop. Why? Because he doesn't immediately intervene. And isn't that true? If I were to go to Gio's house at midnight and I knock on the door and Gio doesn't answer within two to three minutes, I'm going to leave. Because that's how we are. I guess he's not here. I guess he's asleep, whatever it might be, right? So, again, we just need to realize that there needs to be persistent as long as we're lined up in his will. Second, we must seek to know our true motives. Guys, you must seek to know your true motives when you pray and God's will regarding the request. What are my true motives on this? That's deep. That's deep. Why? Because, man, my true motives, my motives sometimes, I mean, I just... We know the true motives. And I guess when God reveals those motives to you, at least you can deal with them at that point. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. You're right. I was praying for this, this, and this because I wanted this, this, and this. 
forgive me. God, I want to I want I want to be lined up with your will. And third, guys, he says we must knock, we must persevere, be persistent, pressing the matter until we receive it. We should faithfully go to God repeatedly until he responds to our prayers and grants what we ask of him if it's according to his will. Let me say this, and how many of us have family and friends that are unsaved? And our prayer is to continually pray for them. And that's what he's saying. He guys, guys, keep on knocking. Keep on asking. God, please save. Save my brother. Save my sister. Save my cousin. Save my aunt. Save. I mean, just save. And, and, and it's okay. Don't give up. That's what he's saying. Please don't give up. That should always be on the top right here, guys. Just, just as long as it's his will, right? Is it not his will for people that are saved? Is it not his will for people to be blessed? Is it not his will for us to grow in community and Bible study? And that's what it's for, right? So Luke 11.9, guys, is all about prayer, but, but, but a radically purposeful, true prayer that lines up with God's will. Now, let me close with this. Let me close with this. When we go to the Lord and pray, God basically gives us three answers, okay? Church, when we go to God and pray and we say, God, give me this, a lot of times God will answer yes, right? That's one of his answers, yes! And what do we do? We're excited. We're like, mm, God answered yes. And we're telling everybody, I prayed and God answered. Yes, high five. God is good. And everybody agrees with you, right? Amen? But what's another answer that God says? No. And how many of us get excited when God answers no? God said no. Right? We, we, we pout. Well, did God answer prayer? He did, but he said no. I asked for a car. He said no. I guess he don't love me. And the third, the third is this. He'll answer what? Wait. Hold on. Chill out. Relax. I've got something better for you. How many times has that happened in your life, guys? How many times? Oh, it's happened over and over and over in my life. Over. God's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I have for you. Calm down. But God, I need it. I need it. He's like, hold on, hold on. And then he blesses us with bigger stuff. And you go, yeah, I knew it all along. <laughs> right? God, God's great. God is good. And God's like, wasn't that you whining a couple of weeks ago? And you're just like. Guys, the passage we learned today is about prayer, persistent prayer that honors God. Be careful with our motives. You know how you should pray? You should pray, God, listen, if there's anything in this prayer that does not line up with you, that doesn't please you, if I'm asking amiss, if I'm asking with bad motives, don't even listen to me, God. Don't even listen to me. I want my prayer to line up with your will for my life. True motivation in prayer. You see, the passage deals with our hearts in prayer, not just stuff that we can ask God for. It has to line up with his will. Let me leave you with this poem. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says go. Go. Father, thank you for prayer. Thank you that we can just worship you, God. We can just praise you. Thank you for the Amada, Lord. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray with a true heart, the heart that seeks after you. 
Thank you for Luke chapter 11, verse 9. And we will always, always remember, God, that we need, we need context so that we can grow more as your children. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.